This is podcast 359, entitled Better Late Than Never. And I'm very excited about the music. What always gets me going initially is music. It's like life. It's music or some kind of fresh romantic picture of hope. Something... um, something gets into your system and you and that phosphorus moment comes and you start moving and with me it's it's very often music i learned that long ago in ministry but i really learned it from myself starting at around age four but uh, coming to a definite kind of burst of energy in teenage years but um you've just heard deke Dickerson and Low Straight Jackets. The album is not very good. It's uh, really covers that have vocal um, structure to them with Deke singing, and they're okay. But what's really good about them is the solos of these covers of what were originally instrumental classics are unusually, uh, they're, they're developed in a remarkable way. And you will realize that the reason I focused on Fury by Deke Dickerson and the Straight Jackets was the fact that it comes absolutely, it both comes apart and comes into its own uh, in the last few minutes, the last minute uh, with that last burst. Now, um, the podcast is dedicated to Susanna Layton, who's a friend of ours and someone we admire very much in Bedford, New York, an artist as well. And she is the person that opened up the actual um, heart of this cast uh, quite a few moons ago when she simply said in a youth group setting where she was a co-leader at the parish there, and she said, um, I've come to believe that God uh, never comes early. In other words, in a situation where you need help and you're praying for help at an impasse or some real problem that you're having, some negativity you're experiencing, she said with faith, but with real, um, I would call it uh, kind of settled wisdom, God uh, never seems to come early. And of course, I'd heard in my life the sort of old supposedly gospel quote that people said, you know, God doesn't come God God may not come when you want him to, but he always comes right on time. And that was a cliche that, but when, um, it's true, but when uh, Frau Leighton said that God never comes early, that opened the door and I was wondering, why is that? And then I um, have today put that together with low straight jackets and the fact that the inspiration and the um, the inspired and uh, really almost uh, compulsed uh, creativity uh, of their music usually occurs in the last third, and we're going to hear another quite, uh, to me, wonderful example of this at the end. But I want to think about this in uh, terms of real life, uh, because it's on my mind. I hope you'll identify, just as a forward, um, do uh, consider, if you like what we're doing, these podcasts, um, for Mockingbird, making a gift to the Ministry of Mockingbird. It's just, they've just had their conference in New York, which Mary and I attended, which it really, um, we saw before our eyes uh, a movement, a religious, a Christian movement. It had a little bit of a Wesleyan in the 18th century feel. It had a feeling of great, larger renewal than just a group of like-minded young people. It, it, it first, about 70% of the actual participants this year had never been to a Mockingbird conference. They came from all over the country, the world, and Canada, from everywhere they came, mostly overwhelmingly young, 
and uh, really were seeking for a kind of a jump start and a fresh resource in their ministries. It was really remarkable. And I had the feeling that this is really no longer a, a ministry as much as it's a movement. And it was very powerful and very uplifting and really um, sustaining. And I do want to invite you because they, they, I mean, they, they pay their speakers well. They pay all expenses. They put out just so much product. I mean, the product that they'd look on their website or their Instagram account and see the lineup that the remarkable Deanna uh, has put together of all the different issues of the Mockingbird Journal magazine. It's a scholarly magazine, but it's much more than that. And it's, it's totally accessible. And the illustrations and the texts and the themes are just really, really, um, they go straight to the heart uh, systematically over time from the fingers to the toes to the hips to the head. And um, just the, what they've achieved in the journal, let alone all the many books they've published. I'm, I'm looking at them right now and the way they, you know, help me to do this. I can't do it. Um, you know, it, it, even my cast is, it costs something. It costs the subscriptions to the internet services that do it and the, <clears throat> the accounts that I get my music from and the um, resources that I use, sometimes the books I need to buy to ground what I'm saying. I mean, I keep it, at, uh, you know, at as little as I can, but we really do need your help uh, in terms of financial resources. And if you have the the desire from the heart to help us, and that includes me, um, just my expenses. I'm, that's all I do. But uh, it, it, it 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 would it would it lengthens our reach and gives a it t- takes away from the sense of panic. I mean, we all know that life is one day at a time, and that Christ taught us this. But it. Um, it would it it, uh, it it would be a help if you feel motivated to give. Now the um, maybe you're in the last third of life, like I talk about. But I'm, don't worry, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna talk about the question. The theme today is why does God seem never to come early? You could almost say that He seems to come late. Now for me, right now, I have our country in mind. Now, regardless of what I think and my perspectives and my particular point of view about politics and or everything from the the border to the broiling character of people at each other's throats on all fronts, we live in a horizontal culture. It's not a vertical right now, which we are showing the effects of. It's all about me and you and grappling with me and you and you and me and him and her. And it's um, it's broiling, as someone in our Centering Prayer group said last night. Uh, she's very much on the woke or the progressive side, and uh, um, she's... Um, I love her very much. We may differ, but we never... We, we absolutely speak across the aisle. And she said, we live in a time of... Everything, everyone is broiling. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's perfect. It's just perfect. What a statement. And um, I was reminded of those many science fiction movies, and I can name at least three right now, but you can probably name five more, when um, uh, the spaceship is way, way, way out in the galaxy and it's communicating back to Earth. And the people on Earth are saying, hey guys, we're almost about to have a nuclear war down here and everybody's at each other's throats and the cities are going up in flames and it's like soylent green around here. And it's a terrible, terrible time at the Omega. Mega Man or something. So just don't come home. Stay out in Jupiter or stay out in the far reaches of space and try to find some kind of a, you know, home, some kind of a life out there because you don't want to come back here. And there there was 2001. Space Odyssey has that scene and Quartermass uh, 
the last Quatermass movie, and oh, there there a lot. It happens in several fifties uh, ones. But the point is, I feel a little bit like you know, I wish I were out, you know, beyond the dark side of the moon, <laughs> Pink Floyd. I and I do honestly feel that way sometimes because then I wouldn't have to deal with the broiling character of the traffic in Orlando or the. Um, the, the hyper development of the last few remaining quiet places or blowers. But I have mine, you have yours. You have your form that broiling takes. You have your groups that you think are broiling. I may have mine. The broiling is undisputed. And I look out and I say, when are, with God, when wilt thou save the people? Oh Lord, when? You know, that's wonderful Godspell song. When wilt thou save the people? And I was at a time of crisis in my life in uh, early spring 1973, or late spring 1973, a true crisis before I had a conversion experience that changed my life with Mary's forever. And um, I remember um, hearing and watching, I went to go see Godspell uh, twice. I think I may have even seen it three times because the song at the beginning, When Wilt Thou Save the People, was so arresting because I, I, when will you save me? I mean, I'm here at Harvard Divinity School having a terrible time. There's nobody here. This is all horizontal Christianity. Is there any verticality? Where is God? And I couldn't find anybody who could answer that question in that setting. And then I saw that movie, which is a little flaky. The movie's good, but not great. And yet the movie, for me, that was what I was saying. When wilt thou save the people? And I'm thinking about <clears throat> that today in terms of our country or in terms of this world or in terms of all the various forces that you see. You, you, you have, again, you, you see it, I see it, she sees it, he sees it, but it's broiling. And so uh, when Susanna said, God doesn't seem to come early, I thought, what an insight. And, uh, but when is, when is he going to come? He's going to come because he does. I mean, somebody was also saying in our Centering Prayer Group, very, very thoughtful person. Who would have thought in 1987 that in 1989 the Berlin Wall would come down and the Iron Curtain would collapse? Quay, it's being an Iron Curtain. And I, I mean, I was there, Mary and I. In, I mean, I was in, actually, Mary wasn't with me that trip. We were in East Germany like five seconds after it. I, I, I'd been there before the curtain came, the wall, but we were there about five seconds after the uh, the wall came down. It was still East Berlin in every sense, and yet it wasn't. And it happened oh, like bang, and the same could happen today. Whatever the problem you're dealing with, whatever it is, whether it's you, whether it's something that you're worried about in the larger context for the sake of your children and grandchildren or whether it's uh, a relationship. I mean, I'm really being, it's, it's, this is panoramic, this truth. So God comes. I believe that God always comes. He always answers humble, um, needy prayer always. And yet he doesn't come early. And that's still a bit of a mystery. So I was thinking about that. And I'm not going to say a great deal about it, but you've, you, I've stated the question. I don't have an answer, but I have a bit of a, the beginnings of an answer. Uh, I was thinking, I, I love the movie 2001 Space Odyssey. And recently I was back directly where I'd seen it. That movie, um, this is not a tangent, that movie 2001 A Space Odyssey premiered at the Uptown Theater in Washington, D.C. on Connecticut Avenue in, on April 3rd, 1968, and I went to see it and got tickets with my friend David Ignatius and a wonderful, wonderful English master, Ted Walsh, who's now dead, at whose service David and I, David spoke and I was tended with him and then in California, and then also Mr. McGrath, our remarkable American history teacher, we went to see the movie about two weeks after it premiered. It was the biggest thing going. And um, 
I, there's the great scene uh, they, they, they've, at the middle of the movie they find the monolith which we've seen earlier in um, evolutionary times with apes but now we see the monolith on, in the uh, 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 I think it's called Clavius the crater Clavius in, uh, on the moon and uh, it's been buried there and they have been able to uh, assess and find out when it was buried and it was buried there four million years ago that's stated four million years ago what? I mean in other words God in this case an alien intelligence they can say all they want about Arthur Clarke and Stanley Kubrick being atheists, but the movie cannot be considered atheistic because a power other than ourselves is guiding the evolutionary process. In other words, something larger than ourselves. And if that's not some form of deistic, um, uh, providential, or just call it deistic intervention, but it's four million years has been there. Well, you know, he doesn't come early. Susanna, paging Susanna, to, she obviously had been in the mind of uh, Arthur C. Clarke. But, um, and I was right there just four days ago in front of the theater where I saw it. Good grief. Uh, the theater's closed, but the facade is still preserved. Now, um, this is Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. In other words, the, the, the key thing is that he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger. That's Mockingbird's message, and I, I, I hope I can say it's mine. I believe it is the message of the Bible. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, but he will not keep his anger forever. So his primary characteristic is mercy, grace, slowness to uh, initiate justice in the face of injustice, and full of mercy. Um, but he, he won't keep his, his righteous indignation forever to himself. He won't hold on to it forever. At some point, it'll, it'll, it'll come out. He won't keep it. He'll free it. And the anger, the righteous indignation, the justice of God will take place. And I believe that. But notice that the emphasis, just as Susanna was saying, is on the God is merciful and gracious. He'll answer the prayer, but he, 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 he does have anger in the biblical sense, and we have to accept that that's what it says. His righteous indignation will at some point be freed to act. And so um, that will happen. So if you look at some situation in the world that is absolutely appalling uh, and really seems to have no possible window of change, that's not true. Look at the Berlin Wall. There are other examples. There are many others. There's examples in your life. So many times when I've prayed, often with Mary, in a time of real um, uh, God's um, office was at the end of my rope, uh, four or five, six times, the prayer has always been answered. And yet I wish, looking back, golly, I wish I didn't have to spend two years wasting this, or why did I have to spend a year and a half in that with that person, or three years with this strategy with a person or or 10 years in that situation where I should have just seen it immediately after one and gone on. Why so long? Well, that's the question. But God is slow to anger, but he will not hold his justice for his, the action. He will not withhold action forever. And that's very helpful to me, very important. So we close on that, which has meant a lot to me because I'm really quite concerned about the way of our world, everything from the bank account to the, um, to the mainly the, the, uh, the whole 
loss of free speech. The thing that most upsets me is what is today called cancel culture. That really does upset me, where people can't say what they think. I'm not talking about crazies and psychotics and people who write horrible manifestos. I'm just talking about when you have something you want to say, which because you believe it, you think it, and you're not allowed to say it, because if you say it, you'll be completely and totally marred, contaminated, and treated as a leopard. And that real leopard... <laughs> A leopard, a leper, and that really happens. I found myself all the time. I find myself saying nothing. I was at a school reunion, and I, my friends all have very strong opinions about various things, some of which I don't hold, and yet I love these guys. I, I'm very fond of them and have real feeling for them. And uh, I just said to myself, well, you know, don't talk about it. Don't take them on on any single. Th- just leave that totally aside. Talk about God, and I did. I even. I was able to talk at, at the, some of this. I, talk about your faith. Talk about faith in God, especially when you get to be 72, because we're all 72. Talk about faith of 73, some of us. Take, t- t- talk about your faith in God. Take, talk about the fear of death. Talk about um, uh, resolving issues. Use the word resolve. You want to resolve issues that are unresolved before you die. Talk about things like that. And everybody was absolutely right there. We, we were totally together. God gave me a wonderful opening in several, as a matter of fact, two totally un, uh, unheard of, unexpected openings. And uh, with two people I've known but never talked in that way. So that's very, very good. So um, the point is, however, it's a pity that one has to censor oneself. So things like that. I want God to, I want to, you know, bring back Patrick Henry. You know, give me liberty or give me death. All right, that, I want somebody like Patrick Henry to come along. Or, I don't know, Francis Scott Key, who was a wonderful low church Protestant Episcopalian. That's all I wanted to say. Here's to Susanna. Here's to the fact that God always comes. But here's to the truth that he doesn't necessarily come exactly when we would like him to. This uh, comes with my love to you and uh, joy in the morning. We're now going to hear Los Straitjackets in an absolute classic, but listen to it all. Love you. (laughs) 